Hey guys, welcome to this week's podcast. I have a whole bunch of stuff to go over and this month's Patreon giveaway. I know there was just one last month, but don't forget I was late last time, so I want to be on time this time to make sure I show all my Patreons the respect they deserve, uh, plus a whole bunch of other cool stuff, so please stay tuned. First up is some really interesting progress with the Terra Onion team and the SSD S3. I guess after seeing my video last week and hearing that very embarrassing and very personal story about me screwing up a project at my work, they must have really taken that to heart because they actually then um, officially announced a recall of anybody who had gotten the current version of the SSD S3. So uh, I was blown away because that's um, that's a really... Like, that's a bold move, and that's risky, and, you know, they're risking losing money just to be able to get the right product in their customers' hands. So, I mean, that's a really huge gesture, and shows a lot of respect towards the people that buy their products. As far as I know, uh, if you have an order placed with them that has not shipped, it's going to be on hold for four to six weeks until the new PCBs come in. And you can tell the difference between the, uh, because of the writing on them. The old one will say NeoSD, and the new says Terra Onion. And then also anybody who places an order any time from now on will only get the new PCB. If you have an original one and you'd like to turn it in, all you have to do is email them and contact. But please, please just be patient. Um, they're, they're going through a lot. They're doing a lot for their customers. So if you email them and they don't get back to you right away, then you know definitely give them a break. Uh, also, last week... I'm, uh, I asked that people who felt like the need to troll send it my way and leave them alone to give them time to get back on their feet. And they actually listened. So I don't know why or how, but the trolls actually listened and came after me. Uh, unfortunately, I think some of the Terra Onion team were part of those trolls. <laughs> but fuck it. You know what, guys? If, if that's what it takes, if I just got to take one for the team in order for you guys to get a replacement on a $300 product that you bought... By all means, sling it my way because uh, you know I've got a very thick skin and I don't give a fuck about most things. So uh, uh, all very surprising to me and all very good news because the only thing at all that matters, nobody is going to remember any of this a month from now. Nobody's going to give a fuck. The only thing people are going to remember is that Terra Onion shipped a great working product and with the first revision that had bugs has been fixed and taken care of. So uh, hopefully all of the bugs were worked out. They did work with Voltar to actually take care of the sync issue and the ground issue for interference. As far as that goes, uh, we'll need to test afterwards to see where it falls in the, quali the quality sector based uh, against the 7314 mods, other 7374 mods, and of course things like the graphics booster that plug into the back connector just like theirs. But in my limited testing, I certainly haven't tested as many Turbo Graphics as I have, say, Super Nintendos. In my limited testing, you can get great, I mean, almost perfect, if not perfect, RGB output from the rear connector. So, uh, you know, your console, if you're a perfectionist or, you know, just crazy like me, your console might need a few extra tweaks, but that has nothing to do with any of the devices you plug in the back. That would simply have to do with any issues with your individual console. So uh, maybe I'll get a chance to test one of them. A bunch of people in the Brooklyn crew had ordered one, so I think I'm just going to swing by and do my usual side-by-side -side tests, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to get a scope onto it so I can verify all of the results. Uh, and I guess that's four to six weeks away, because that's when they'll be shipping replacements. In some pretty exciting news, Analog is shipping the Super NT starting on Wednesday, February 7th, so next Wednesday, and I'm certainly looking forward to getting one. 
For over a year now, I've been talking about a YouTube channel that I occasionally stumble across, that I love their documentaries, if you will, about speedrunning, and I finally found it the day that I went to record this podcast, actually. It's called Summoning Salt, and I just, for whatever reason, I get sucked in every time. Each video that I've watched, at least, is documentary style that talks about a specific game or part of a game or uh, how people have won certain games or the history behind the speedrunning of certain games. Uh, and, you know, they're not, um, they're not super long, so it's pretty easy to go through a couple of them. And I just thought it was really interesting. And I think their latest one is about Super Mario Bros. Level 4-2, and I got sucked into that one, too. I figured I'd watch a few minutes of it before doing something else, and I watched the whole 20-minute thing, so... After mentioning it many times, I really felt like I wanted to share that with everybody, uh, and hopefully you guys be as into that as I was. Some people on the LibRetro forums claim to have tested certain emulators that are down to one frame of lag, which is pretty amazing. Um, some of the ways they're testing, you kind of would have to do that test a lot in order to verify. It sounds like they did, and I'm certainly not doubting their work. Um, I just would love to repeat their work, Mostly because I'm just interested, not because I'm doubting them, but also, like any good nerd, you could have people repeat your work for it to be uh, for it to be official. But this is really cool because you know while I like console software emulation, um, there are other alternatives. You know, you could mod your consoles, you could use uh, FPGA cores if they're available and if they're accurate. But I'm still strongly behind software emulation for arcades because there's just no way that we can get full FPGA cores for every arcade game ever where we already do have pretty good software emulation for all of it so if we could just figure out different ways to get uh, as low lag as possible for those arcade games any little progress is progress um, one of these days I'm actually going to go back to that interview I did with Dan Mons take a bunch of his suggestions and do a, a full Linux build on an SSD build like a crazy supercomputer with uh, you know with the newer Intel processor that doesn't have that evil bug in it and uh, and really just try it out because I do love arcade games and arcade gaming and I would love to have another multicade that doesn't suck like so many of the ones that I see on Craigslist for $3,000 with a flat screen TV in it. A video was just uploaded showing a teardown of the backlit Game Boy Color that was sold on Taobao last year. And it was pretty neat to see the insides. I was actually quite surprised that the LCD panel was actually a different one turned to its side with the image centered and rotated in it. Uh, and it was one of those ideas that once I saw it, I was like, oh, it's actually a really good idea. <laughs> so uh, it was, you know, pretty neat. The, the quality of the mod wasn't the best I've ever seen, but it seemed to work, and it certainly was something that I, I would have liked to have owned. I did buy one, but then the guy got tired of making them all, so he canceled all the orders. So uh, I guess you're not going to be able to get one of these anytime soon, but maybe somebody will take a look at this video and use that same method to build their own kit. The creator of Sonic the Hedgehog, Yuji Naka, now joined the Square Enix team. So I'm kind of interested to see what somebody like that would come up with in mixed with Square Enix, and I bet there's going to be some pretty unique and cool games coming out soon, but if anybody's interested, you can just follow him on Twitter. I just stumbled across a video from last year that talks about Japanese video game preservation, and it interviews a team of people that are really bending over backwards to try to save arcade boards as well as different video games, and obviously that's something that's uh, pretty important to me and something that I would like to be a part of, so if you're interested in game preservation at all, I would definitely check out the documentary, and hopefully I'll be able to do a lot more work in that pretty soon. 
The new sci-fi indie fighting game Punch Planet is now available down to play at iFix Machine Arcade, which is a pretty awesome combination. So you get early access to the game, uh, and you can go down on real competition-level equipment and play it. So I hope to get down there this weekend to try it out, and if anybody's in the Brooklyn area, I would definitely swing by. And also, I think you're able to either get early access to the game on Steam now, uh, or if not, you're certainly able to sign up for it and get it as soon as it's released. Modern Vintage Gamer just uploaded a video that talks about original Xbox backward compatibility on the 360. They go into how the official backward compatibility actually works, and then demo how to do it for pretty much any Xbox game on a jailbroken 360. I thought it was pretty cool to see side-by-side -side comparisons like that, and to go into detail of how it actually works, and it seems like something that I'd love to play around with if I ever get time to. And speaking of backward compatibility, Hackers have now allowed you to play PS2 games on a jailbroken PS4, utilizing Sony's official software. There isn't really a video on it that I found, but there's an article that describes how it works, and it seems to be pretty decent so far. I'm actually pretty interested to see if it upscales the game, or if it really just does kind of a mediocre job like the uh, PS3 would do with PS1 games. This is totally not retro gaming related, but something I definitely wanted to share. Researchers have been able to create true 3D holograms by trapping particles, um, and this is actually something I saw demoed at CES many years ago, and the way they did it was they basically had like steam or fog or basically water po uh, particles floating up in a tube, and they were able to use very precise projectors to get very much like the Princess Leia and Star Wars look to it. Um, I guess these scientists have gone way farther than that. And really, I do remember distinctly a conversation with somebody and on this team who was saying 20 years from now, so now 10 years from now, uh, holography boxes are going to be a real thing. So if you remember like uh, your grandma or if you're a millennial, your great grandma's uh, big picture tube TV that was like a massive piece of furniture with like a little tube in the middle, uh, imagine something like that that's just as deep and just as big with something smaller in the middle, but true 3D hologram graphic images. So uh, I just thought it was neat and wanted to share it. It certainly isn't retro gaming, but maybe you guys are interested. Some people on the shmups forums were talking about motion blur and how to reduce it on LCD TVs. So I really didn't dig too deep into it because I just ran out of time, but I absolutely loved the picture they put up and thought I would share this for anybody that wanted to look into it themselves. It looks like Nintendo's Miitomo service is ending at um, midnight Pacific time on May 9th of this year. Uh, to be honest, I'd never actually used Miitomo, so I'm not sure, I'm not even really sure what it entailed, but if you're a Miitomo user, you're no longer going to be one in May. Last week I talked about the Eon team and their new GameCube HD adapter. Uh, I went off on a big rant about how they didn't credit Unseen for his work, and they not only did they now credit him on the website, but they uh, tweeted at me and posted in the YouTube description, uh, and they were nice and polite. So other companies might want to take notes, because you don't have to be a douchebag in order to get your point across. I guess you could say the same thing about me and how I acted in last week's video, but stay focused, guys. Stay focused. Uh, so it was cool of them to do that. Um, also, I, had, I made a mistake. 
Uh, I thought that the reason that they used the analog connector as well was for an analog to digital audio conversion, but they were just using it for a stabilization, which is a pretty cool idea. Um, as for the product itself, um, I want to get my hands on all three of the external designs pretty soon and do like a side-by-side -side shootout. But until then, I don't really want to comment because they're all based on Unseen's amazing work. Um, and so far from what I've seen in person, I've really liked what I saw, except for that one little sandwich design from last year. I'm, I'm talking about the three good ones now. So um, I guess we'll look more into that as soon as I get one in order to test, which should hopefully be within a few weeks. And speaking of that little sandwich adapter, it looks like Zelda XP Pro has finally added the open source credits to both Greg, uh, Colin Gall, for the 3D printed design of his external GC video solution, as well as Dan, Citrus 3000 PSI, for the PCB that's inside of it. So uh, this was a little bit frustrating for me because of a couple of reasons. You know, there, there was a history with this guy, Zelda. A guy, I think he's a kid. I'm pretty sure he's still in college. You know, he started out by selling that sandwich design, and when he first posted about it, he basically said, I don't want any feedback, it is what it is. And I kind of politely pleaded with him to just take people's suggestions, and you could tell he was young. Uh, and then he came back with another version that still wasn't great, and I kind of just said, hey man, why don't you, I'll introduce you to these people, why don't you try this next, and... Then he goes and sends it to Metal Jesus and got pretty embarrassed by it. Um, you know, I think it proved the design was not good. And then it got really annoying because then he said his friends came over and designed a 3D connector that just so happened to look exactly like Greg's. And, you know, I tried to keep my mouth shut because it's like we've all been in situations where two people come to the same conclusion. But that was a little uncanny. Um, and then it just came out that it showed pictures of the PCB and everything where the new design, his version 3 that he's been working on, is really just Dan and Greg's designs that he's selling. Um, which is pretty terrible, you know? But the other side of that, before I go any further, this is an open source design. So the developers made it, enjoyed making it, and now put it up for people to use. And the only stipulation was that they're credited for their work. I mean, there's other things with open source, but that's pretty much the bottom line with this stuff, which is not asking for much at all. Uh, and if it was the opposite, if he had gone and made these and he was bragging to people about, hey, look at these guys, great work, now I'm going to be manufacturing and selling them, I'd be 100% on his side for this. Because while there have been uh, times in the past where certain people who put things open source were sorry they did, it's too bad. Uh, and Greg and Dan are not like that at all, by the way. Uh, and neither are most of the people that I talk about, almost all, in fact. Um, they want their product to be out there, and they want people to be using it. And if somebody had stepped up to the plate and said, hey, I'll make and support these, they'd be thrilled. Because let me tell you guys, if you haven't uh, manufactured and supported a product yet, it's a lot more time than you'd expect. I mean, don't get me wrong, it takes a ton of skill and a ton of time to design stuff like that, but whatever amount of time you think it would take to support a product quadruple it and that's an honest an honest estimate so if he had stood up and been proud of just saying hey i tried the sandwich design didn't work i'm gonna just use these guys i'd be really applauding him and he didn't you know he, he lied until he couldn't possibly lie anymore because the picture showed it and i just gotta say man if you're watching this um that stuff follows you in life you know, I think you're still in college, you're a kid, uh, this is, you know, a small community, we'll get over it eventually, but if this was your job job, um, I mean, this stuff it might never leave you. And I tried talking about that with the other college kid that stole stuff a few weeks ago, and it's just, 
you know, I've been in trade shows. I've been to CES, I've been to CDN, and a few others, where somebody walked in the room and people would literally turn their backs to that person because they did stuff like this years earlier. And it, I mean, years earlier, 10, 15, 20 years. And uh, that wasn't a hobby projects. That was, you know, business stuff. But that stuff will never leave you. So honest uh, to you, the other kid, and anybody else watching, even if you're an adult and you don't know right from wrong yet, um, this stuff will follow you everywhere. So just think before you steal and lie. Because, I mean, it could have been a completely different situation. You could have been having everybody sing your praise for doing, uh, doing the manufacturing and support for something a lot of people want. And instead, everybody's just kind of laughing at you because you you know your friends designed something for you so maybe just think about that moving forward well since i'm spinning the drama wheel right now i might as well do one last one uh ben ven is not a thief <laughs> uh, i guess somebody accused him of stealing his design and i would like to give that person the benefit of the doubt because i've been there many times in life where i got you know all the way through or most of the way through a design of something just to find out somebody else did it um, and, you know, the difference is, I absolutely, prop, uh, I, in fact, I almost guarantee I said every horrible bad thing about that other person while I was venting privately to my friends. Uh, it's a little weird nowadays that people just post everything on social media, including stuff that really is just meant for, for people you trust and people that understand. But I just, I hope that's all it is. I hope it's just a misunderstanding because anybody that follows Ben Ven knows that he posts all of his work from start to finish. So there's absolutely, uh, you know, there's no way that dude stole anything. In fact, it would probably take more work for him to create those fake video showing how he designed it than it would actually to just do the work that he did. So I uh, just wanted to let everybody know it's if you hear that rumor, it's not true. Uh, and somebody just posted a pretty cool tutorial about how to install his backlight kit. So uh, if anybody's interested and thinks maybe it's uh, a little too hard, give that a watch and see if it's within your skill range. And on a much lighter note, there's now a remote control overlay available for the open source scan converter. So while most options are really inside menu and then the arrow and select buttons, there's still a few direct buttons that I like to use that I often forget which one is which. So having the overlay is pretty awesome. Uh, it's very cheap and shipping is cheap too because they just stick it in an envelope. You don't have to pay for like shipping, shipping. Um, it's available from RetroGamingCables.uk and Video Game Perfection. And I really recommend that everybody with an OSSC gets one. Uh, and for the record, a lot of my friends, uh, when they first start talking about this stuff, blame me for uh, making them buy expensive retro gaming stuff. This is under 10 bucks, so uh, if you feel pressured to buy one, do it. <laughs> so you could file this one under Bizarre. It looks like Atari's asking people to invest in the port of Roller Coaster Tycoon to the Switch. They're asking for people to donate $250 to the project, and you can get a proportionate share of 50% of profits until you recoup 120% of your investment, and then a pro rata 25% share of the profits for the 18 months following the game's worldwide launch. I wish Steve was here so that he could have like a piece of paper and draw a chart for me to show me what the hell that means. Uh, respectfully, nope. 
Here's one that I kept forgetting to talk about, so I'm just throwing this in here. Uh, the GoTech Floppy Drive Emulator is a device that you could install into an Amiga and an Atari ST, and I think maybe a few others, that basically allows you to use a USB stick instead of a floppy drive. So uh, very, very awesome. It's almost like a ROM cart for floppy drives. Uh, anybody's interested, um, the link to Indie Retro News is in the description, and a thanks to my buddy Wendell for showing me that site, because I very embarrassingly didn't even know that Indie Retro News was a thing. So. Uh, Thank you. Someone on the Assembler Games Forum might have found a way to RGB mod a top-loading CDI. So, uh, you know, I'm sure many of you are groaning like, oh, CDI, but it, it's neat. I really do want to get the best out of every console, even the ones that are terrible. Uh, and for a long time, I couldn't find any info at all on that Brooktree, the BT encoder chip. And apparently somebody on the Atari Age forum donated the service manual for the CDI, which had the pinout and the information on that chip. Uh, I didn't even think of that, which makes me feel very dumb. But uh, yeah, so that's, you couldn't get the BT information separately, but you could get it inside that manual. And it looks like an RGB out is possible. You just have to jump two pins together to enable it. So um, I'm probably going to get my hands on a top-loading CDI and try this mod soon enough. Uh, I think at the point they're at, at least when this is recorded, is they hooked up RGB and it works, but they haven't verified any values with the scope, so uh, it really it might need an amp circuit. There could be a lot more to it, but at the very least it looks possible. So now we could enjoy these uh, amazing Zelda CDI games on a top-loading unit. Apparently, Sony and Nike have teamed up to make PlayStation shoes that have a light-up logo on the actual tongue of the shoe. Uh, I think that's pretty awesome. Uh, unfortunately for me, these things look way cooler than my Nintendo sneakers, but I still love my Nintendo sneakers. So, anybody who's interested, the link's down below. Someone just hacked one of those tiny Sega Dreamcast VMU units uh, to be a RetroPie emulator. I think that's absolutely neat, and I just love silly projects like this. Uh, the amount of time it must have taken and to work in such a tiny little place, uh, I'm very cool work. So anybody that's interested, it's a kind of a short video, only about 10 minutes long, and if you're into projects like this, it's worth watching. A world record-holding Atari gamer was just banned from Twin Galaxies and had all of his records removed because it was proven that he cheated on the game Dragster. Um, I'd actually been hearing a lot about this, and I really didn't even want to talk about it because nothing about this is positive. And, uh, you know, all the drama today aside, I really do like to talk about the fun stuff and really just only talk and have fun about the weird stuff. But nothing about this is cool. Uh, this guy, Todd Rogers, basically just lied about everything. He had some guy who is a sick and twisted fucker that is in jail now and definitely deserves to be. I'm usually the guy that roots for the underdog, but no, this guy is fucked up. Uh, that guy who's in jail lied for him, uh, and I guess it took forever for Twin Galaxies to, to come around and admit it. Uh, and, you know, at Firebrand X had actually been one of the people that uh, that was trying to prove that there's no way that the score could be real. And Ben Heck even did a video proving that there's it's physically impossible based on the code of the game and everything. And I just, you know, I don't understand much about Twin Galaxies. Uh, so I don't mean that positive or negative. But all the stories I hear about it, it sounds just as power-hungry and bureaucratic as every other institution most people despise. Uh, and maybe that's only because they operate great all the time and you only hear about the bad times. But, 
I, I'd, I was going to ask for people to post their thoughts, but I know there's a lot of competitive gamers that uh, that listen to the show and uh, really just use the RGB info to kind of upgrade their setup. So I don't want anybody to get in trouble for mouthing off, but uh, if you're not affiliated or if you are and you could post anonymously, maybe you could give some inside info. Uh, is it as bad as some of these videos make it seem to be? Or is it really a group of good people that just uh, occasionally has something bad happen which gets blown out of proportion? I'm just kind of curious because I've heard a lot of weird stories like this about Twin Galaxies. So, um, yeah, I'm glad that guy's banned. I hope uh, I hope all liars get came down upon very hard like this, especially ones that are involved in the people involved in this. I don't even want to talk about that. If you guys really want to know, read through and see some of the videos and be prepared to just be angry at life for a minute. Extremes has just uploaded a new version of the Game Boy interface software. Um, some of the updates include improved component video DAC oversampling for the ultra-low latency version, as well as updated color matrices by Pokefan531 and an improved Game Boy Player driver. So uh, if you're new to the show, I love this software. I rant and rave about it every time I get a chance to. Uh, and it's basically replacement software for the Game Boy Player. So you still need the Game Boy Player hardware on a GameCube. You just find a way to boot this homebrew software. My preferred method is an action replay disc and one of those $2 SD card readers from uh, overseas. Um, and then I prefer to boot to Swiss and then from Swiss into this so I can make any necessary changes if I want or if I just want to play a different game through Swiss. But a uh, huge fan. Uh, this is definitely, at the moment at least, my preferred way to play uh, Game Boy Advance games. And uh, hopefully I'll have another ver another way to play it very soon. I actually think I'm going to have two different ways to play it in the next coming months. So uh, please expect a shootout of all the different methods. And I'm just excited to nerd out and try them all. The other day I was watching the latest X-Files episode, and I am an absolute diehard fan. I've seen every episode, and on top of that, I rewatched every episode ever made a year and a half ago or so. And i just massive fan of the show. I would love to do a podcast on that one time, just one long talk about it. Uh, and so now it's this is supposedly going to be the last ever. They've said that before. So I want to make it like a ritual. Like I don't, I turn my phone off. I don't let myself get bothered. I actually want to be in the moment, which is hard to do nowadays with technology. And I get ten minutes into the episode, and it is exactly the plot to the AVGN Berenstain Bears episode. And not only is it the same plot, but they also do flashbacks where they green screen themselves in. Um, the, you know, alternate dimension theory. I mean, it is the same. Uh, I, you know, I even stopped the, the TV show to tweet about it just because I was absolutely blown away. So either, uh, either the writer of the show completely just came to the same exact conclusions as James did, or maybe James wrote the plot in another dimension. But yeah, it just absolutely cracked me up. Uh, and if you're a fan of AVGN or The X-Files, give them both a watch, I guess, just to see. But I would definitely watch the AVGN episode first, and then the X-Files, and then you'll probably be just as flabbergasted as, as I was at how similar the two were. HD Retrovision just posted updates to their free test software for Super Nintendo and Genesis, and the key update is an addition of a 50Hz, 60Hz flashing object for 240p testing. Um, I haven't had time to give it a run yet, but this and the 240p test suite are my absolute go-to testing softwares, uh, and anybody that does any kind of testing or work on their consoles should probably use these because it just makes things so much easier. 
Unfortunately, after beating it 2018 three weeks in a row, I was not able to beat it this week. I just ran out of time. I've been ridiculously swamped with stuff. Uh, I'm still playing Sonic Mania. Um, I do like it, but I'll admit it was a total adjustment going from playing three Metroidvanias in a row to going back to just a standard side-scroller, and it really did take me a while to just adjust back, but I do really love how you could approach it as a couple levels at a time, whereas uh, on some of those Metroidvanias, I'd want to get just sucked in for hours and just kind of disappear in the world, whereas with Sonic Mania, you, you could just go in and say, all right, I'm only going to play this next act one and two, and then I'll save and stop afterwards, or if you end up beating it really quickly you just you know maybe go on to the second one after that but i do enjoy it um i'm really loving the 8-bit do controller 8-bit do controller i don't really give a fuck anymore <laughs> the 8-bit thingy controller um it's perfect for the switch um i'll talk more about that when i can do more of a review on it but uh while i still don't want anything other than the originals for classic consoles i'm loving that controller for the switch I did have a question for you guys, though. I saw a write-up about The Mummy Demastered, which is apparently a, a Metroidvania for Switch, that's based off of that terrible movie with Tom Cruise that just came out. But it's supposedly a great game. So have any of you guys played it yet? Uh, what are your thoughts on it? Is it something that, now that you know the, the type of games that I love to play, do you think it's something I'd really be into? Um, but so far, the people that have been commenting about uh, the games I would like and wouldn't have really been spot on, and I appreciate it. And I think so does anybody else that likes games similar to me, or likes games the opposite of me, because then they know just not to play that and to play the, the alternate one. So definitely looking forward to people's opinions. Please post down below. Tonight, January 31st, will be another live podcast of the Retro Roundtable, featuring myself, Voltar, Renee from DB Electronics, and the team from HD Retrovision. Uh, we talk about nerdy stuff, uh, we battle each other to try to find the right answers to things, uh, and we're, we never need to, uh, to feel like we're right, we just want to feel like we're getting to the conclusions of things. So I feel like that's a lot of the reason that people watch it, is uh, we really just nerd out, and we really care about the right answers to things, not our answers of things. So, uh, you know, as always, everybody's invited to join us, um, participate in the chat, or don't, just chill and watch. As long as you don't act like a psycho, you won't get banned, so ask any questions you want. And, uh, you know, we, we try to stay on topic, but we do take questions at the end. So if you're not able to make it live, it's available on YouTube immediately after, and then as a podcast, usually the next day, unless Nick is lazy, and then a day or two later. Um, but it's just something I really enjoy doing that I hope to keep doing for a long time. So uh, if you're even slightly into this stuff, please subscribe and join. Um, we all tweet about it right when it's happening, but it's almost always at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, provided nobody has Windows updates breaking their computer when we're trying to launch. And uh, we'd love to see you all there. So uh, please tune in if you're available. Okay, up next is this month's Patreon giveaway. So I really liked the way we did it last month. There were no major complaints, so I feel like you guys may have liked it too. Uh, so what we're going to do is I'm going to show the item. Then anybody that wants it, uh, we're going to do it a little bit different this week, but pretty similar. Uh, so this month's Patreon giveaway was donated by Wes from Second Opinion Games, uh, a friend of mine and a good contributor to the show. And uh, he donated something pretty freaking awesome. Um, he took... Uh, a full kit and did a backlit Game Boy uh, with a clear case on it and up here it's probably hard to see but this is a button that toggles between regular speed 
uh, or the potentiometer, and when you toggle this, you could use this pot to uh, adjust the speed of the actual uh, processor, the clock speed. So that's definitely good for people who do things like chiptunes and want to mess with music. It's also fun to play with certain games that you want to see. Maybe you could speed them up in the middle of the game or slow them down. Uh, and it's also neat to experiment to see which games it crashes on and which don't. Usually the third-party games crash, but the Nintendo games could take a beating. Um, and it's just a really fun, cool toy. Uh, I would absolutely use this as my main Game Boy if I didn't already have one. But if you do have one, this is certainly something that's fun to play with. Um, and I also just love any time there's something clear, so you could really see into it and kind of see how it works. So uh, a massive and huge thank you to Wes from Second Opinion Games. Uh, and anybody that's interested in this, all you have to do, just like last time, is just post I'm in or something, just one line, try not to make it multiple lines. Just post something down below like I'm in, yes, whatever, in the Patreon link. Uh, and then this time, I'm going to ask if you could also follow Second Opinion Games on Twitter. Uh, we're going to come up with a fancy algorithm to make sure that people are doing both. Um, and if you don't have a Twitter account, uh, don't worry about it. Uh, we're, you're still in the running. But uh, take one for the team. Follow Wes on Twitter. And um, try to put your biddings in for this. This is a pretty fun device, and anybody that hasn't messed with one of these should like it. Also, I'm very sorry it doesn't come with any game. This is just in here just to show how it's working, or show that, it, that it's working and in good condition. So, um, anybody interested? Backlit Game Boy Clear Case with uh, a speed clock mod, um, and just overall very, very cool toy to play with. So, please, the link for the Patreon is down below, and anybody interested, just say I'm in. Now on to the Q&As. Cueball1897 posted in regards to the combining st uh, stereo into mono signals with a Y cable, and he posted to an article that convinced him not to do that. And to be honest, that's something I really want to dig deeper into in the roundtable tonight. We'd mentioned it before, but I really want to dig into the reasons why that may or may not be a good idea, and if I was wrong last week saying it's safe to do it on a PVM. But stay tuned tonight, and sorry for the cheesy you know, news tease. Stay tuned tonight, but I'd rather have the experts discuss it with me than me just try to fumble my way through it. Next, I think I said something last week that may have been badly misinterpreted. Uh, Modology said that I sounded like I wasn't very interested in the Nestmaker project and kind of just shrugged it off, and he was wondering if I just didn't really believe in the project. And it's quite the opposite. I, I think stuff like that is awesome, and I can't wait to see what comes out of it. But the truth is, I just, I'm not a game maker, and I wouldn't even know where to begin with something like that. So that was where that shrug was. It wasn't the, anything negative towards the project. It was just that it sounds awesome. It just doesn't sound like something I'd be able to use. So I hope too many people didn't misinterpret that. Next, a few people pointed out what those switches were on the front of that clone console. Uh, and now that I'm reading it, I feel dumb for have, having not figured it out myself. Uh, NJ is NTSC Japan. PE is PAL Europe, PA is PAL Australia. So uh, thank you very much for pointing that out and for reminding me. I really should have figured that out myself, but uh, oops. So thank you guys. Next, Ryan Taylor wanted me to share a link on proper ways to discharge CRTs. Uh, and this is something that obviously is very, very dangerous. So um, the link is down below in the description. Uh, we showed it a little bit on one of the how to mod your consumer grade CRT for RGB videos. But honestly, I, I just I can't say this enough. If you have not done this before and you're not comfortable doing it, 
don't even try. You could literally die from it. It's not like just getting zapped, touching an open frame power supply. I mean, you're you're you could be in some deep trouble. So please, please don't try it unless you know what you're doing. Uh, but if you do and you just want a safety brush up, there is a PDF link down below. And lastly, I got a question for you guys. I have been using these small metal rolling racks for my larger RGB monitors. So I have my 32-inch BVM on one, and it seems fine. But then I had that Mitsubishi MegaView on another, which is actually much heavier than the BVM. And while I don't think the, the actual wire rack at all was bending, it was definitely too much for the feet. I feel like the, the feet, or at least where the feet go into the metal poles, were starting to bend under the pressure. Um, and the BVM, the 32-inch BVM on that cart is fine, but you could tell, uh, even though they're rated at 600 pounds, I mean, whatever the wheels are on that is just a little too much. So I was wondering you guys' thoughts on it. Um, do you think there's a way to just get beefier uh, casters on it? Is there a better way to go about it altogether? I know if it was stationary, just you could just use wood and it would be fine, but I need to move these monitors around, and I'm going to be having a few more like this in the future, um, not at my apartment, but in different places that I'm working with that need to have these larger monitors on wheels. So does anybody have any uh, crafty solutions? Do you take those industrial-strength metal racks and weld a caster to it? Um, I would think it would be safer to take something that's at least a thousand pounds rated, even though the monitors are no more than 300 pounds. It's, you know, it's never a bad thing to, to overrate something like that. But please, any guy, any suggestions you guys have, let me know. Uh, and like I said, the, the metal rack, the wire rack I was using wasn't bad, but these things are so heavy. It's not like a 20-inch PVM where you could change a rack every year. This, you know, you need at least two people to pick these things up, and you need strong people. I could, you know, I, I know I'm fat and out of shape, but I've always kind of been strong before I messed my back up, and even me and one other very strong person had a hard time getting that TV up and over it. I mean, it was, it was a struggle, so... Uh, anytime I could make anything like that easier, I'm totally down. So any suggestions for metal rolling carts, uh, please let me know. Before I go, I wanted to mention the very fun interview I did with my friend Carcinogen SDA, the speedrunner and Twitch streamer. Um, I had an absolute blast. Uh, I got to hang out with him at where he does all of his gaming. So I got to be like in the moment with him so I could see all of his equipment and how he does things. And, uh, you know, I was guilty of interviewing a friend again, which the side effect is always I forget to ask a lot of the questions I wanted because I was just enjoying hanging out with my friend. So I will have him back on another time. Um, I want to ask him all those other questions and maybe have him take us through something. But I don't know. I want to find a creative way to do it because uh, I'm a big fan of his. I'm very glad that I got to know him and a bunch of the other streamers around here. And uh, I think anybody that's even slightly interested in that world would love that interview because you get to hear kind of the behind the scenes stuff um, it is as always available on youtube and as audio only and uh, while it is fun to to see us in person that might be something that maybe you would just enjoy audio only while you're driving so links are down below feel free to just uh to listen to it whichever way you choose but that's pretty much it for this week we had a lot of topics to cover we had like 35 or something like that um, so i tried to keep it quick and not ramble off too much uh, got a couple of big announcements coming next week, so uh, please stay tuned for that one. Uh, I have an, another very great interview coming up this week that's uh, kind of personal to me, and I hope may, might make a difference, and I have another very cool one next week. So um, 
Yeah, really, thank you guys so much for all your help and support. Especially thanks to all the Patreons, and I really hope that somebody gets to win and enjoy this very awesome backlit Game Boy donated from Wes from Second Opinion Games. And I will see all you guys next week. <laughs>